look, all I'm saying is 2019 was a good year for Bionics because not only was Huge Davies doing his thing, wiring up a keyboard around his neck for the car part, but a little movie called Alita Battle Angel also came out that year. And we're here to talk to Mr. Huge Davies about both of those things on Overdue Rentals. Yes, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Overdue Rentals, the show where we talk about films that need a little bit more light shine on, shown on them. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Cinema Blends Mike Reyes. And today we will not stand by and let Alita Battle Angel go unsung any further. <laughs> but in that same breath, uh, we're not going to let Huge Davies go unsung either because, uh, Matthew, could you please, uh, for, for some of the colonials out there who may not be familiar with this gentleman or anywhere in the world, really, please yes. uh, lay down a little bit of what Mr. Mr. Davies has done. Well, Huge is with us specifically because you know, he in 2019, he had a special, well, it was his his Edinburgh show called The Car Park, uh, which he got nominated for Best Newcomer at the time, which, again, it's one of those weird things, I guess, newcomer for the festival or newcomer in a, in a certain way because he had been performing before that. Um, but, you know, that special uh, he has done uh, on stage, of course, away from Edinburgh and um, through uh, coming on June 20th through the uh, 800-pound gorilla platform that will be streaming for people to see. And then past that, Later on, starting from July 20th, YouTube and other streaming platforms will also allow you to see this special presentation of the car park if you've never seen it before. Now, some of these uh, some of these bits that are from the car park, of course, appear in you know clips you can find from him all, all around the world. But seeing it, of course, in the one whole show as it's meant to be seen is another thing. Which is, of course, how we would suggest that people experience that here at Overdue Rentals because you know if you're gonna go for an experience. Go full throttle. Make yeah. the eyes big. Make the body bionic. Make it fight on the moon with such in, in keen precision. Just go for it. Yes, because overdue rentals. Go for it. A lot of that has to do with the overdue rental choice of today, chosen by Mr. Huge Davies, which is Alita Battle Angel. Uh, which you know, I you know, I think Mike, because you have a lot more um, background with this film than I may have that maybe you should give a little people a little background before we get into it of what this movie is if they haven't seen it yet. Well, uh, the short, short version is basically a cyborg girl is found in a wasteland and she is resurrected and starts to learn more about who she really is. Yes, and that's the very, the very, very brief, because there's a lot going oh, on. Yeah. And of course- Oh yeah. You know, we'll talk about it a little bit. So, you know, be, be prepared for that. You know, if not, if you want to pause here, go watch Elite Battle Angel and come back. Uh, that'll be fine. But of course, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll we'll mention it before we talk about it with Huge. So if you want to hear Huge talk first about his comedy, his show, and all the weird questions we have from about strapping that keyboard around his neck, uh, and um, and sounding like uh, you know, like he he's performing a a concert that you didn't expect, uh, you can do that first. But let's. I think that's the t perfect time to say, Huge, get on in here. Let's talk about some movies. Oh. Movies and keyboards, those go together like peanut butter and peanut butter. Peanut butter and, and pipe organs. That <laughs> seems too on the nose, but it's like you th think about like an old silent film with somebody that's at the organ, one. you know, grinding that's away. A good one. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. No, thanks for being. You know, look, we'll get started before Mike gets here. We don't have to wait uh, too long for him because he'll he'll be able to jump right in when he gets in. Um, 
because I, I I have so many things that I want to ask you that I'm, I'm probably sure somebody's asked you down the road and I could find somewhere, but when I look, I couldn't find it. I'm and, just asking, uh, man. It's fine. It's all yeah, good. well, it's one of those things where, like, since since your persona has the the keyboard strapped to you, yeah, is there ever a point where you've said to yourself, "Is like, well, like, like, like you're, you're sitting, you're sitting from you're across from Harry Hill, going like, and seeing that he's still wearing that goddamn collar, and you're like, what have I gotten myself into where it's gonna be thirty years down the road, I still got this thing strapped to myself, or or is there a way, a way you can get it away from you, you know, your persona could be else, not just that." Well, yeah, I thought Harry told me to actually specifically to, to not wear the keyboard. He was like, "You're good enough to not have a keyboard. Um, <laughs> you good. You don't have to have a gimmick." And I was like, "I've been told that by fucking the king of <laughs> the king of big collar." Um, yeah, I, I think that I quite like the keyboard. You know, um, I think the problem is is it's, it's dead heavy. Um, it's really heavy. Like mm. if it, like I do our shows and stuff, so. I think it's fine if you have it on for like half an hour. If you do like, I normally would do about half an hour on stage. Um, but if you go into an hour by about the last five minutes, I'm telling to black out. So <laughs> like the, I've got to know the last bit of the show like pretty well, because I'm not really there to be honest. Okay. That's why I, people, people I'm like, I leave stage pretty quickly. And everyone's like, oh, he doesn't seem grateful. It's like, it's because I want to take this goddamn thing off. Like I'm sick of wearing it. Um, I like the, I like it. I like the keyboards. Um, because it makes me do like stand up as um I find like a bit more interesting. But then mm. also um people always say that you can just like um put it on a stand. I'm like, yeah, maybe if I put it on a stand, <laughs> no like that you wouldn't get that initial hate. <laughs> and then I, t I quite like um people I come on and people are like, oh, I hate I'm gonna hate this. And then uh, it's fine. And then I, they go, oh, actually, actually, I quite like it. I like that. <laughs> did you did you build the, build the strap contraption yourself, or did somebody help you with that, or was that like you just knew you could do it, and that's that's all that is? Yeah, I made it myself. I made it myself. Well, we, we, my dad helped um, me. Like, so I designed it, and my dad helped me um, put it into into action. It's 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 mainly because like as well. I mainly made it because. Um, in the early days, you'd have to bring the big keyboard stand, um, you know, often like a stool, um, often the, the microphone stands, you've got to have a, get a bendy one called a boom mic stand. And off, like, people just don't have that in the kind of venues I was playing when I was first starting. So it's quite frustrating. So I was like, well, how can I reduce like all the stuff leaving, you know, leaving it on stage so I can leave the gig early. And then I was like, well, I'll just, well, just wear it and make it so I can take it off stage and take it on stage. And then it just got to a point where, like, I didn't do it because I was like, uh, oh, this will look stupid. I did it because I was like, this will just mean I can do two gigs in one day. I can, like, <laughs> leave the show. And then it just so happened that everyone was like, oh, it looks quite, you look pretty stupid. That's quite funny. So, hey, Mike, I see Mike's, Mike's, Mike's here with us. Mike's Sorry, here, I'm hey, late. Mike. I can't, still can't find my glasses. <laughs> it's okay, man. That's all right. Let's say he'll st he'll stumble his way, uh, you know, through through it, you know, and, and pretend like he can see everybody. So it's it's good. It's good. Well, it's hey, good. Glasses is, to... Oh, go on. It's a good thing it's a podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I need my glasses to hear, but that's okay. Okay. Um, but also with that though, is there has was there ever? Because I don't look, I don't know the inner workings of every comedy club or concert venue in, in the world. But since you have your the built-in mic as well, I mean, you don't have to use your own mic, I imagine. But is this something where like 
now clubs were like having to like kind of cater a special way toward getting your audio out from you because of the contraption yeah so there's there's been like problems and then solutions that i've had to like make over like i'd say it was like three months from me starting to make it to when it was like actually usable so like i use I, everything is bluetooth so like there's no wires or anything the mic is just the mic that you would use in a comedy club i have different attachments for different mics too so if it's like i'm doing a bigger gig and they often will want me to use a wireless mic or like a tv thing they'll, they'll obviously want a wireless mic um and then but it normal and then also got normal like holders for normal for normal mics. I've got loads of mic stands. Um, but yeah, it's it over the time. I think people ask me to come to if I do a gig, every single gig I get, I get an email being like, can you come like three hours early so we can tech this goddamn thing. And then it, honestly, I've got it down to like maybe less than a minute in terms of tech, like it's almost it's just it's just it's all wireless. So I just plug it into the sound system and it's all good to go. And the tech people are like, what? What about the power supply? What about your mic? What about the microphone? I'm like, it's all it's all nice. It's fine. So yeah, over the years, because I'd like over if you do comedy every single day for like six years, you're like, let's speed up the process as fast yeah. as possible. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna make sure it's as quick. Um, so it's pretty. It's, everyone's very surprised by how um, <laughs> how um, accessible it is in terms of like sound and tech. I, I think I'm the only person to have actually made um, so I've made a keyboard that you can wear like that. Like a lot of. <laughs> Like, I don't understand because, like, in, in bands and stuff, they've made the guitar so you can strap it on you. I mean, basically, you can strap it on you. Um, I was like, why wouldn't you just do it with a keyboard? So I just made it so you can strap it on you. And I don't think anyone, I don't, you know, maybe if Coldplay did that, they'd, they'd be more interesting. I don't know. Maybe they'd you know, be happy. Right maybe be happy <laughs> if, they, if, they I mean, if you can't be happy wearing a keyboard like that, then when can you be happy? Yeah, exactly. Well, you well, fifty hours into a show, as I've said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it'd be the least happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that your approach to the tech also changed your approach to the material? Yeah, yeah. I used to just have a you know, piano, and I used to just do songs, and then I was like, well, I I I can't like carry like a full size keyboard, so I'm going to scale down. And then when I scaled down, I had to buy like a really bad piano because the only ones that are light enough for me to be able to wear are like bad keyboards. So I was like, well, I can't play like a, like a song that I was playing before. So I've just got to use what I've got. And I was like, oh, this is, there's more stuff in the keyboard than I have jokes. So I was like, well, why don't I just do jokes about all the stuff on the keyboard? So all, the, all, my, all my routines are about music and I use the keyboard to like, um, it's a bit of, I'm a musical comedian, but I think people in their heads are like, are you going to do songs? But I'm, yeah. I'm more like a, I'm kind of use it as like a, as a sound, a sound effect kind of like thing. And then I also use it to like, um, pick apart like genres of music or like styles of music or like kind of singers or like genres, like, yeah, like old genres and stuff that maybe you wouldn't get if you just had a normal <laughs> piano. But what? Is there a part of you that also wanted to be a performing artist? And look, I know you say, I know you say make fun of and picking apart, but, and, and I'll say this because I know there are clips of it online elsewhere, apart from the car park special, but when you do the how deep is your love section, like that's like, oh, I'm watching a Depeche Mode concert for a quick five seconds before, yeah, feel, before you get, before you break down what's really happening. Yeah, it feels, uh, people like, 
it feels really good. Like, cause I, I can't be a musician because I'm too, um, I'm too cynical. I, I think it's so hard. It'd be so hard to go out and be like, talk about something that you loved that you'd lost or something like that. Um, but then you, with that comes like really big musical performances in stadiums. And it's like, I get to do like, you know, I did, um, maybe the clip you're talking about is I'm, I did, I did like, um, I think, I think the Melbourne put it up. Yeah. 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 But that was in like a, you know, a, that was like a stadium. <laughs> I got to perform like a pop song in a stadium, but with none of the, um, the, you know, none of the heartfelt kind of like, thanks for my fans. I got to do it. And then, um, then I got to rip into it. So it's the best case scenario, really. I, yeah, it feels that it does. And then also they changed all the, they changed all the lights and stuff. So you're like Ariana Grande in the stadium. <laughs> And then you can make fun of her at the same time. It's the perfect, it's the perfect <laughs> mix. Um, so yeah, I, 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 yeah. When, when sometimes when you're doing those bits, it, and it, it's, it's mad to to play an instrument and then it's like, huge. There's a huge sound in a room when it's just like your fingers. Like it's great. It's same with your voice as well. But often you're kind of in the moment. But like, yes, it's to play like an instrument in a building and then like, like I've done the Albert Hall like. In London, we did. I did that with Harry like last year, um, and yeah, it was it was absolutely mad that I was playing. <laughs> I was playing the Albert Hall with this stupid contraption. I really like it, <laughs> especially when you have that like imposing view from the stage, where it's like you see all those pictures of just the seats. Yeah, and just you, yeah. you just imagine like okay, someone in each of those, and I'm just here, and it's like, uh... yeah, yeah, it's mad. Yeah, I really, I really. Um, I really enjoy using the, the using the keyboard. Um, yeah, it's good fun. No one's thought, no one else has thought of it, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> well, maybe they thought of it, they saw it, and they were like, maybe that's not for me. He looks like he's in pain. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see David Adocherty like rolling around with that strap to him. It's like he's not gonna, it's not gonna pull it off. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a we have a feud about what is the best size keyboard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I heckle the shows. I, I'm like, his keyboard seems a bit too small, uh, David. And you'd be like, that's huge, Davies. He's, he's always doing Wouldn't you be more comfortable if you were wearing that around your neck? Yeah, you don't look like you're in pain at all, David. Looks like you're comfortably sat on stage. Is this art? <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't think it is, no. <laughs> but at the no. same time, just listening to how you describe your work, it's just that wonderful it just reminds me of why I love satire so much is because it's that bleeding edge between knowing it, taking it seriously, and then taking it apart because you know it so well. Yeah, I guess write what you know. So like, I'm not going to do, I mean, I've got jokes about other things, but like, I mainly talk about music because I know a lot about music. I used to be a music teacher. And like, I've studied music. Like, I, I have like, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've played all different kinds of genre of music, you notice things. And you're like, well, it's more interesting for people to hear about where the music works. Because it's like, in the way the musical comedy is kind of like, people think I do is musical comedy, but it's actually observational comedy. Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm just making observations about things that you wouldn't probably know about. Like, if I'm taken apart, like, I don't know, like, um, like a girl band music or something like that. And then I can kind of get into it and explain, like, why you like these things and why you you shouldn't like these things or whatever, whatever, whatever it is, like... And I think that people kind of a bit like, oh, this is different. But it's like, it's no different than saying like, have you ever noticed about the bus? 
it's the same thing. It's just with music and people just don't know how the language of music and I can help like go like, oh, well, this is this and this and this, 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 you know, explain it a bit better for everyone. But everyone thinks it's like, what is this? Everyone's like, oh, wow, this is a fresh, it's like, it's not a fresh take. It's just that you haven't like, um, you just don't know how to speak about it. But, and then going back then talking about that idea that you, you were a music teacher, it was kind of something you were kind of, uh, you know, steeped in at, at some point or another. So where, where was the point where you're like, I want to take this to stage. I want to do a comedy, especially since nowadays, and then, you know, when you started was when we're now witnessing, you know, the new entryway where like granted everybody has their stage show, everybody has their Edinburgh show, but like we're, 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 we're growing out because, Oh, well, I did eight out of 10 cats does countdown, which got onto YouTube, which gets out to the rest of the world. And now you're seeing people steeped in all of your, your material where in the back in the day, it was just like, you had to be lucky if you were to break out anywhere. Yeah. Well, I guess the, I, I started because I, I, I tried, I think I'm a creative person. I tried everything. I failed at everything. I tried to be good at drawing. Um, when I was, I, when I was younger, I like, I tried to, um, be a pianist I'm like not good enough like I'm just not good enough to do it like I've tried to be a writer like um maybe I'm not good enough for that either and I was like just like trying loads of different things I tried painting like I tried a bunch of things and just never really never really clicked but I just was like I knew that I wanted to find a way of like express myself and stand up just like was just one of the things I tried and it just worked that's mm -hmm. it like it's just it it was just I would have done something like stand up like something like you know, artistic or creative. Um, it just so happened to stand up was the only thing that actually got any actually got anywhere. Like I think I'm a, I'm like a better I'm a better writer. Like I've written a sitcom, and yeah. I've written and I, I I write actual songs now that I perform. Um, but maybe before I just wasn't good enough, and it's just like I needed to be older to know what how to do that properly. I think, but it's like, um, yeah, I, I think. What was the, sorry, what was this? That was the second part of that. To, to well, also, that you know, because you, you know, around what, let's say the 2017 era was when, you know, the new version of breaking out in comedy was finding yourselves on these shows, which found themselves on YouTube. And that's how you broke out compared to, you know, back in the day when you may be starting this, where it's like, you just got to be lucky to, to find some avenue that people are going to see you with. Um, so also, you know, that being part, I don't know if that fed into this idea of like, maybe it'll be easier once I knew I could do this. Yeah, I guess. Well, there's there's lots of different ways of doing it now. I mean, like before that, I think that was like a there's like a definitely a formula of how you become successful, which is like I don't know where maybe in the maybe in the UK there is yeah. there used to be, which was you know have a good Edinburgh show, then you get given a some TV show or whatever, and then you do live with the Apollo, and then you can you know uh, you know and then you can buy a house with that money, uh, and then you can and then you can you know tour forever. I think that's just different now. It's, it's, it's a different world. Like it's, it's all about, you know, it's, it's, it's the social media kind of, uh, thing of getting your own fan base. That's not from those shows. And that's like, um, it's quite a weird adjusting to it. It's quite a weird adjusting. You're like, cause you, it's like, there's like a kind of way to do things. And then there's like a new way. And there's people who were like been doing stand up way less than me, like a third of the time that I've been doing stand up. And they're like doing like huge like stadium tours or whatever, and you're like, what? So there's like lots of there's lots of there's lots of ways to to do it, um, yeah. And before before we jump into talking about uh, the overdue rental for the day of Alita Battle Angel, I did also want to ask um, 
you know, because again, you you are somebody. I mean, forget about you know the, that the idea that you do have the sitcom, you do have other music that you're writing. You know, I've seen you know you, I could see you without the keyboard, literally. Like you know, like I don't know what it is, but like every five days, uh, YouTube wants to think that I've never seen uh, your Abby Jacobs uh, team up for the question team. You know, uh, little segments from behind the scenes, and so like you know, I can see your humor without without the music. But there are people out there who are like you know. When John Kearns does Taskmaster, that's the first time they've ever seen him outside of of, of wearing the wig and the teeth, yeah. and, and seen him like from his own personality. So, do you feel like you also like you've had this strange upper hand where like you've got to kind of deal deal yourself out in every form, so people, no matter where they see you, they can connect to you in some way, where others may have to like kind of fight for that. Surprisingly, yeah, I I try to do is I I. I try and keep the keyboard very like to my stand up. Like I like my stand up. I think it's like my stand up is good as it is. It's unique. But like I do other. Th yeah, like I said, I do other things. I do those interviews with those with with Abby and stuff that you've mentioned. I do other stuff. I think that it's like um, I don't want to like pigeon myself, pigeonhole myself into doing just keyboard stuff. Um, but I, I also like I also find it easy. Like I find it easy to write songs. Like it's there's no reason for me not to lean into it. Like I would I would write I like. Uh, I can make a comedy song in like a day. Like I'm writing after this, I'm writing one today. I've got to perform tomorrow. Like it'll be fine. I just know I can do it. It's okay. Um, and, so, and also John, like I've been, I've got a gig with John where he's the headline act and then he leaves and he's just, and no one knows who he is because he takes the, for people listening, John, John Kearns, he wears these like, he wears these like false teeth and glasses and this big like monk's, monk's I think it's like a, a monk yeah it's kind of like a big curly but it's got the shaved top so it looks like yeah. a, like a monk but he does a character comedy like that for all of his stand-up and then when he's not wearing it he's like unrecognizable you like so like he'll do like a full show and then he'll just walk out with a crowd which is like insane um <laughs> that no one would it's still like the like the usual suspects at the end like <laughs> he just throws the wig off on the floor drops the teeth um the teeth snap on the floor in slow motion you know. <laughs> It's like a new, I, new genre. Well, I, I apologize right? really quickly before we move on. I should say, I think I said Abby Jacobs when I meant to say Abby Clark. Forgive yeah, me. Abby for Clark. That. Yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 I like it. I think a lot of people are like, oh, do you want to break out of the kind of, like, I enjoy writing. I enjoy writing songs. It's easy. It's fun. And it's like creative. And yeah, I do other things too. Like I do, I do some presenting stuff and I got, I've got a podcast as well. And, yeah. you know, nothing to do with music but uh yeah i don't i don't mind leading into it at all sorry mike i cut you off earlier no it's okay <laughs> moments passed well let's get let's get into the talk now about about alita battle angel so like what what is your connection to alita what what is it that you love about the film or maybe didn't love but wanted to talk about no i liked it because i went to this, i went to watch it in the cinema and i was like i came out of the cinema being like why is no one watching this film <laughs> So that's really fun. It's a really fun movie. And I was, uh, it was, the action was so good and all the characters were really interesting. There were a few things I didn't like about it, but I was generally like, what the hell? And actually recently this caught my, I went to the, I did this gig, at this like hotel that like, it's a very like exclusive hotel that um, I think a lot of celebrities go to, to like unwind. It's in the middle of the countryside. I won't say which one it is because then people will figure out where all the celebrities stay. I was doing a gig in this hotel and then Ed Screen, who's the who's the guy? Um, Japan. Yeah, Japan. Yeah, yeah, and he's in Game of Thrones and um, Deadpool and stuff. He was there, 
and we watched he was keeping it his head his I mean his, his, he was really like like that in the hotel we were watching the england game it was the night that um england lost the in the world cup he got knocked out okay. of the world cup we were, everyone was watching in the hotel and i sat down at the table with him we were watching it i didn't realize it was him but he's just one of those people you know like i lifted up he i saw his face and i was like that because you think to yourself like maybe i could be in movies or something like that and you look at it like, look <laughs> at someone like him and you're like that's someone that should be in movies like he could be like he could be stacking shelves in like a Sainsbury's and you'd be like, you should be in films. Like you should, he was so handsome. And he was also like, you know, in like kind of a big hoodie, big tracksuit. Like he had a hood over his head. I was like, that's the best looking man I've ever seen in my whole life. And he was, and then we started talking and then he came to watch the gig. And then we just like had a drink afterwards and we were talking and I was just, I was, I don't think anyone probably mentions it to him, but I was like, Alita was such a good movie. Man, I loved that movie. It was so. It was like it was. It was great. Do do another one. And he was. He was. He also was like. I really love that film. I don't know why people. It's not. There's. There's not been any big buzz about it. I just don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I watched it last night to refresh myself. Um, yeah, I think everything's great. I. I, th I think the 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 story is a bit. Yeah. But it's like it's a big it's an action film like it's I don't care like it looks good and the action's good. The only thing I don't understand is why they made her look like she looks in the film. <laughs> I feel like it's completely unnecessary. I feel like they go well it's like it's like the anime thing so we tried to transpose. I was like we well, can't have her and then have Christoph Waltz just have a normal face like you could you, it's weird like have them all either have it all, have them all completely CGI or none of or none of it like. And there's a couple of occasions where some of the villains and stuff, they have, you know, they like Ed Screen, right? He has his face and then he had this this CGI body and of neck and you can see the I was like, just do like that's great. Because that's not but it's completely it's like, you know, the uncanny valley. When I'm looking at it's it's so distracting yeah. in the film to look at Alita and not be like, that's not her person. Um I'd say that was the there was a couple of moments where she looks like incredible, you're like, it's almost a person. But then you're like, you're not even thinking about it. You're going, how have they made her look like a person? So I think the, the, I think my only negative really is that like, I don't know why they, the CGI is very distracting at times of her. Oh, yeah, they, it, very, yeah, her over it looks else. very expensive for them to do it. And it feels completely stupid. I mean, but then I know I looked up a line and it was, it was James Cameron. I'm like, of course it was. Yeah. Oh he yeah. James Cameron was like, fuck it. No, make her eyes bigger. No, we will make her eyes bigger and we yeah. will make her look more anime. Because yeah. just that's you, you know what happens when James Cameron gets a vision, yeah. and he's been developing this thing since Guillermo del Toro gave him the the graphic novels in the nineties. Yeah, like I think around the time of Titanic, Guillermo introduced him to Alita, and then there was a time where he's developing this and Avatar at the same time, and then he yeah. chose Avatar, which I'm fine with. I I part of me still wonders what would have happened if James Cameron made Alita like he wanted to. But on the other hand, I do like that Robert Rodriguez got it because yeah. Rodriguez just has that unique energy to him. And like talking about the appearances of the characters, you have Ise Gonzalez like doing that whole spider walk against the wall. And then there's a moment where she looks at the camera and hisses. Yeah. And there's just enough jank where it's like, that's a, that is a Robert Rodriguez creation. I love how this is looking. I know the, like, you know what to expect when you're looking at that. Yeah. It's like Alita yeah. is definitely. There is a debate about the Uncanny Valley. I personally like the look of the character, but I will admit when I first saw it, the eyes were kind of like 
a little jarring, but then you get used to it. But definitely when it came to Issa's character, it's like, no, no, that is a hundred percent Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that all the all the people she fights in it look incredible. Like all of the robots she fights. Oh yeah. Grishka. Yeah, Grishka. And then the even in the roller in the what's the sport called? The roller sport where they're in that motorball. Motorball, yeah. And then it was it, it looks incredible, the whole thing. And I don't it's like super slow-mo and I don't even care. <laughs> I normally hate that. It's like all of it is slow-mo, but it's it's really used really well. And it looks you, the film looks great. Did you see this movie in 3D when it came out? No, I didn't see it in 3D. It, it makes was, it gives me a headache. Oh, what? oh yeah, I, that does happen with some people. No, I was just asking because I like I also review movies in 3D, and this was it wasn't one of the best movies that I've seen in 3D, but it was still pretty good, and it used scenes like that to its advantage, and especially yeah. like Garishka with his like the hand coming out, the tentacles. Yeah, that yeah. was, and then when she yeah. does that whole spin move in between the tentacles, it was just that was something that really popped with 3D. Yeah, yeah, it was it's, great. You know, it's funny when you go back to talking about Ed's screen and saying how it's, people don't mention it to him. It's like, yeah, I mean, it could be because the film you know, didn't do as well as people expected or, or didn't get as much hype as it was supposed to get. But in, uh, oddly enough, when the first time I'm watching it, you know, because I, I try not to know who's in a movie before I see it. I try not to know about the plot. I want to go in blind as I can. He doesn't I, even look at the posters. Well, when I first saw him, I thought it was Nicholas Holt. And I'm just like, there is a similarity. Yeah, you know, later on, you know, I, oh, I realized, oh no, it's that screen. I get it. But like, this is the same thing. Like, you know, the, you can see this big hulking robot, and it's like that. It's Jackie Earl Haley. I'm like, well, of course they may not look like him. But it's like I wouldn't have known. Yeah, you know, sure, like all oh, that guy sounds familiar. But until you look later, I don't realize it's Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, yeah, he was great as well. He was great. I think there was there was some I I like so I like the idea of them trying to make Alita look different. But because I'm like, oh, they're taking a risk here. Like any risk taken in a film or like any any project, I'm like, great. Yeah. I'm like, for me, it didn't work out. I was just, I was freaking out. <laughs> I, was, I was freaking out when I was looking. Like you had a bad acid trip, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because I was just trying to fit. My brain is constantly like trying to like pick out what's different about this person. I go, maybe it's just the eyes. It goes like, but the but the face is a bit different too. So I think I was just all the way through the film. I was just very focused on that. That's I think that's that's part of my issue. I would say with the film, I guess also is because, you know, you, you of course you get the backstory and you understand that you know well you know the the rest of the race of you know you know warriors if you want to call it you know we're all or I don't know if you, race are just like these built um, you know warriors you know they all look like that back then but like it feels like it's so just like oh here you go we just hand it out to you really quickly that a lot of the movie is like that. And like, none of it really feels like it's tied together. It's just like, you just got to accept it. So that's where it becomes like, did it visually strike me? Did it entertain me? Which was the action and that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, yeah. I also love the ending too. The, um, it made me feel like I want to watch the second one straight away. Yes. I, I got that sense when they go like, oh, and then you got, Obviously, they put Ed Norton in the film, so they're like they're like at the very end, and you're like, well, obviously they want to make another one, but I don't know. It, it, I don't know if there's like another one on the in the on the card. Well, if, if we if we can trust the the ever trusty Wikipedia, uh, apparently last month they made the announcement that it's in production or pre-production. No. no, 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 no. That's I think that's a report that got blown way out of proportion. Okay. The most that's happening right now is John Landau, James Cameron, Rosa Salazar, and Robert Rodriguez all constantly talk about trying to get that sequel made obviously john landau and james cameron are busy with 
Avatar until like 2050. But Robert Rodriguez is probably still open. Like they all still want to make it. It's just a question of getting Disney on board to green light the project and do it. And again, that ending, like they pulled from, if I, if I remember correctly, they pulled from later books to build this story up a little more because Motorball was in like, I think later issues mm. and they just brought that forward. So that way it was a little more visual pop, but also James Cameron had like 600 pages of notes, I think for a planned trilogy. And then Robert Rodriguez adapted it and like trimmed it down to, I think they, at least there's a script for one, but I think they have outlines for at least two more films. Mm. It's just a question of getting executives on board. You need James Cameron? I mean, I get it, I get it. He, he wrote it, you know, I, he kind of wanted to birth it, but do we maybe just cut him out of the equation and then you can make the, make the next one? Well, I still, I don't think he's going, I don't think he was, he was hands-on to a point because he's James Cameron, but I don't think he was constantly hand-holding Robert Rodriguez. I mean, these two went on, when they pitched the first movie to executives, it was like a 45 minute pitch, I think. And they had storyboards and all this stuff lined up. Like they were very meticulous with how they pitched it. But another thing that benefits Alita is the fact that since it was developed around the same time as Avatar, the same technical considerations sort of make them siblings in a sense because the advances they had from Avatar, they used to make Alita. And then some of the stuff that they, they have some of the same production crew and visual effects crew because Weta, it works with both of them. And then the advances that they had with Alita went towards Way of Water. And then in a recent interview, John Landau was even like, look, the stuff that we've done with Way of Water, we want to apply to the next Alita and the next Avatar movies. Like it's this sort of cycle where both of these movies sort of feed into each other technically. So yeah. while you don't need like James Cameron's not going to be there every day on set, it's his push and his clout definitely help. Yeah, I, I wonder what the what the next Avatar because they they did like the sky in the first one and the, and the jungle and then you've got the water in the second one. I'm like the third one. I'm like, what? Where do you even go from there? Fire. Yeah, we're gonna have to go. Yeah, I was thinking, fire, of, I was thinking right? volcano. Yeah. They're gonna be in a volcano, right? Yeah, like and they're the, doing. Yeah, they're introducing the fire tribe, and it's like, oh, this is the first tribe of Navi that are technically villains, and that's exactly. I think oh, this is literally what it is. Okay, I I, I didn't realize. No, yeah, that. yeah, no, they're <laughs> literally doing fire. Okay, cool. I'll watch it, and I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> I also, also though, like about Alita, you know, like I, I, I mean, I know they technically explained it, but I feel like they really did Jennifer Connelly wrong with just like she's there one minute and then she's a brain in a jar the next minute. Yeah, and then some, and then she's just doing like mad. It's so impossible to place what her job is. Yeah, no, <laughs> she's or like how, or how she turns so evil, really. Yeah, at one point she's like in the she's like in the in the garage. <laughs> she's like <laughs> well, sorting yeah. out all the robots on the track. You're like, oh, so she's oh she's she's part of the team. They're like, she's a motorball she's, fixer. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> she's an engineer in the pits. Okay, cool. And then she's yeah. like, yeah, it's very confusing her character. Um, and it's like, yeah, I I was a bit. I was watching it again. I was like, I don't remember. I forgot that she was in this. I was like, it's probably because she has no real role. I don't know. She, and then she's like a medicine. She's like, yeah, oh, very odd. Yeah, she, she was a motorball fixer. And like after her and Ido divorced, I think she sort of just fell okay. into it. Yeah, she was. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know 
like what came first yeah, the right. engineer or like the evil sexy in the bed and then like where where is the i don't yeah i don't know it doesn't make any yeah like in another in another film it would have been like her trying to infiltrate to get to nova so that's why she's with maharsha ali and you know kind of like being really you know on the bad guy side if you want to say it that way but it just that that never evolved at all yeah yeah i did i did like maharsha ali was great in it as well oh as yeah. oh as always yeah and one of the one of the best parts about his performance is, especially after knowing that Nova is controlling people through their minds, you listen to Mahershala Ali deliver the lines where Nova's controlling him. Mm. You listen closely, you hear like the, like he studied Ed Norton. And it's just like, and even with Jackie Earl Haley, where it's like whenever they're speaking as Nova, you can, you can hear those lines from Edward Norton, but just delivered through this other person. Yeah. And that's just, yeah. that speaks to the performances. I mean, they really cast yeah. this movie well. Yeah. Like Robert Rodriguez draws names. Like it, I remember he made that. I think there was a kids movie shorts, and then you get you have James Spader in the middle of that, and it's like clearly the man knows how to talk to people and how to get them yeah. to to agree to things. Yeah, yeah. And then you just look at this bench, and it's like absurdly stacked. I didn't like Christoph Waltz in this. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think that he. I think it's difficult to work with because I think in like in. In an anime, it works quite well, but I think once you put into picture, you're like, "This is creepy. <laughs> this is creepy." Like the first thing he says is, um, "He like, he like rescues her from the dump, and then she kind of wakes up, and then he calls her like a beautiful little angel." Yes. I was like, that's a weird way to introduce yourself to a girl, like a little girl. I, I don't know. Like it, you, if you see a man in the scrapyard and he's picking out bits of female robot, you're like. It's a bit like, it's a bit like, do you know what I mean? Like he, there were so many other robots. He even, he even throws aside an arm in the first scene. He picks up an arm and he goes, that's, that's a man's arm. I don't want that. And, I, and he goes, Ooh, <laughs> little 17 year old. Oh, okay. And then he picks that. And then I must, I'm, I'm sort of like wondering why he, so like the reason why she's special is that she's like, got this, she's like a crazy good, like wall robot. But she only, he only finds that out like after he's fixed her up. It's not like he saw her and was like, something's crazy. He just picked her up and was like, oh, and then he then he delved in and was like, oh, she's she's yeah. like really good. But like well, from without that, that, that's just a man who's like just take, taking in like a 16 year old looking robot and being like, I'm just gonna have her in my house. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, it's difficult to work with that storyline and it's difficult, but um, he did the best. He did a good. I think he did a good job. But I think I just don't like that character as much. And also the hammer thing he has. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely crazy to be get a different weapon. It's completely on. You can't. He can't wield it. Well, even, too... even even wielding it, it's like you know. Again, you seeing an anime, you can understand where you're moving so fast and so swiftly, where it may, you know, actually show you what kind of impact it can do. But like here, it's just they, it was felt more real. It felt it was like really wieldy, and he's just kind of like really slow and like oh even though it's got a rocket on it yeah and then also he wants to try and hide his identity he's like you know what maybe don't have the weapon you use to be as big as a room yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like just like if you want to go back subtly maybe <laughs> and also he's like stalking he's like stalking one of the robots at the very beginning yeah. he doesn't wear a mask either yeah no mask but just really big hammer <laughs> like yeah maybe just like little sword 
I don't know. Maybe get maybe get the Vibra sword. I don't know. Uh, for, yeah, it, it, I can understand. I like that they. I I like that they kept it. Um, they were loyal to the to the original um, source content. But I was a bit like, this is mad that Christoph Waltz is carrying around this. <laughs> it's like, it's so big. It's it's crazy how big it is. Yeah, and it seems to be ineffective too. Like I don't know how he's killed. How he's a successful um hunter like it, it it he can barely handle it like he comes up against he loses maybe every single fight he's in in this film <laughs> and i'm like yeah just don't, maybe don't have a weapon that's the same the same size as a, as a small as like, it's like an animal it's yeah. like yeah mad i know well, well i have to let you go soon but i i do want to ask you guys if you know if it was just me or did anybody else? I know it wasn't meant to be this way, but at the end, when that uh, that uh, you know razor rings coming down and Hugo gets sliced in half, I laughed. It was just so silly and funny to me. I don't know if that makes me a bad person or not, but I laughed out loud. He was a bad character. I thought it was funny. Um, okay. <laughs> like he, he was very just just not very interesting, and I was like, whatever. Maybe like hopefully maybe he'll go, and then the plot will maybe move forward. <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't like it i also think that that's like um the the big the the spikes coming down i think that's a bit much um maybe don't have the maybe don't have the ropes <laughs> find, find a way to not have the ropes um seems that it seems a lot maybe just one maybe just maybe just put it on a stand or something and then just <laughs> I mean, well, if you could if you could launch yourself off from your fingertip to heights that are unknown to man, I think you could jump over those things pretty easily with your feet. She does jump over it. No, at the end, yeah, but like earlier on, and when they're doing that whole where like they all die off, basically trying to invade yeah. the place, I'm sure a lot of them could have survived. Yeah, I mean, they Elita jumps over it very easily, and it's like she had the same. They they all have the same body. <laughs> just just jump out, just jump over it. Hugo's in a pretty um, junky robot body at that point. He's in like a, like a heavy sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah, the, but the warriors right. who failed in the invasion. Though. Oh yeah, no. And it's also oh, that yeah, thing of fun. it's the Rose and Jack thing. She could have saved them easily. I mean, she. I think <laughs> I think she found him a bit annoying and was like, because he's like slowly falling. I'm like, yeah, but you've got a hold of him. Just like just just like throw him up or something. Like. <laughs> She was waiting for him slowly. You know when you're like slowly starting to, it's like, it's like, well, like a band-aid, just quickly do it and then it'll be fine. If you wait for any longer, she just lets him go. I think she did it on purpose. I don't think she likes him very much. You know, he almost um, did survive because there's a, there's actually a special feature on the disc where they showed like Cameron's original 20, 2005 pitch. I think it was a 2005 pitch reel. And like, he, you want to talk about really sticking to like traditional sort of fantasy sci-fi movie beats. Like that whole thing ends where it's like, yeah, she saved me. And now we're like overthrowing things and we're revolting because she's cool. And like, you just, it's, it's interesting to see the, the form that this story took versus where it started. So if you ever really do want to get like an interesting view into that, that's something you should definitely seek out. But I, I think you may have just started a new internet debate now. Like, could Alita have saved Hugo? Yeah, it's like the door's big enough. James like, Cameron is now going to do a special where he gets, like, robots to reenact that off of, like, a skyscraper or something. I bet she was gutted when they put his head on the robot body. She was like, oh, my God, I just, I literally took, cut his head off. I cut <laughs> his head off. 
I just wanted to say goodbye away from everybody. That's why we kept them alive. It's like, don't put them on that disgusting thing. What's wrong with you? Where'd you find that body? Where's my one was my one was much better. My one looked like bones or something. Mine looked beautiful. You stuck them on a toaster. Like they, they couldn't have found like you couldn't have gone back to the scrapyard and found like that that look, maybe that man's arm would and also, have been the thing that saved Hugo. And also some of the they always stick them on humanoid bodies, which is a bit like have you seen some of the lads out here? Some of the lads have got like seven wheels on their legs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Some of these lads have got like 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 sort of pizza cutter hands. Got, I'd be furious if they put me on a regular human's body. I'm furious. Got the, Jeff Fahey's got those robot dogs. Put it on one of those dogs. Yeah. Just put, oh, it, put it in a jar until you can get a better body. We're in the we're, at that point. We're at like Futurama, in the age of Futurama. Just put his head in a jar yeah. and wait until you get a proper body to put it onto. There was a moment in the film where I was like properly on the side of you know when Alita goes into that the bar for all the hunters yeah. and then she's and she's like I she's like help me out and I'm like you're this is mad you've just literally come you've literally just got like a green card to this bar <laughs> you've come in you're like can everyone help me out you're like could you've not thought of a bet like that's such a poor I completely was with Ed Screen on that I was like obviously not <laughs> who is this but she's literally just walked in. She's not good. She doesn't know anyone here. Why on earth would we risk our whole li our lives to, I don't know, that scene, I was a bit like, I don't understand this at all. Well, I, 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 if you, she even got their respect, sure. But like, they were literally like, this is the first time we've seen this person. But it's also <laughs> like, after her big out. speech, yeah, after her big speech, and they, they don't still trust her, she's like, they'll trust me when I just like oddly jump on this table in between these two guys. It's just yeah. like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that, the idea of that plan was, but you know, yeah. hey, you know, they, they, wanted, they wanted to fight. They got to fight. Yeah, yeah. They um, I can't believe no one went into that. Also, when she jumped down into the spaceship, I couldn't believe that no one went. That was, she was the first one to go in. I was like, <laughs> how how interesting is your weekend that you don't go, you don't swim down and look in there? Well, they, yeah, they scrap they scrap parts from other people. There are probably stuff in there they could scrap and yeah, sell off. It's like well, yeah, it's probably it... like there's it, it, probably a suit in there that's the best suit in the whole world. Or I don't know, I'm mad they wouldn't go in anyway. Yeah, it's like the remnants of like a war that everyone's still kind of touchy about. Like you see what happens when they mention the Urm and it's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, we still got a, we still got a rivalry going here. And oh yeah, like you wouldn't know what like to do with, yeah. You wouldn't know what to do with the Nazi gold if you found it. Like, <laughs> oh no, I've got the Nazi gold now. It's good that I got, I mean, it's good to have gold, but it's Nazi gold. Yeah. It'll look good on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I've got like a, I've got this. <laughs> It's Picasso painting now. But I think it was, I think it was stolen. I think I think I might be wanted. If I have this, I think I might technically be wanted for war crimes. Right. Um, um, I just yeah, realized I, how bad it sounds when I said it look, it would look good on my wall with Nazi gold. That's not. I did not mean it like that, people. Oh, no, you know, it ties every room together. Yeah, yeah. I've always said that about you. Yeah, I was as soon as you came on, I was like, "There's not enough Nazi stuff that would suit you." You've got some millionaires in the U.S. that would say yeah. that. Yeah. Huge. Thank you so much for your time. It's it's been it's been great talking with you. Uh, hopefully we'll get we'll get a chance to talk to you about another movie somewhere down the line. Yeah, sure, man. Whatever. I, I of course I I love uh, talking about underrated movies. There are so many. I was also I was we could talk about maybe the Adventures of Tintin. That's yeah. the, that was such a good movie. Uh, I was devastated yes. when hey, everyone hated that film. Or maybe maybe nobody hates it. People just didn't watch it anyway. <laughs> for another for another time. <laughs> for another time, exactly. So yeah. Thanks again. Have a good one. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.
right. Huge Davies, everybody. That huge. Thank you. It's we look. I mean, I think most people know his name is Hugh, but his stage name is huge because at the time when he was starting to perform, he thought it would be good to throw that out there. And like, I, I always like it's so easy for me to say Huge Davies, but a lot of times I want to kind of uh, I almost want to say Hugh. But again, that being also said, every time I talk about British comedians and I start saying Hugh, I almost want to say Hugh Dennis. Um, but I, I I avoid myself, so it's good that I can say huge. Uh, makes it a lot easier. Yeah, you know, just that extra E just makes all the difference. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also a missing H, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's substitute the substitute of an A. Yeah, he's you know, huge is also somebody that um you know I had like a lot of like a lot of comedians I would say um you know I probably first saw. When, you know when he's doing a guest spot on eight out of ten, eight out of ten cast does countdown or something along. I can't remember now where I've seen all these people, um, but you know it, it was something where you know you can go on and I could see a lot of his work, but it was again just all in clips. I could never get a full show, so it was great to sit down and be able to watch the full car park show and get get a sense of you know his flow throughout the entire beginning to ending process. I'm trying to think of what the American equivalent would be of like those shows, like those, those panel shows, because we don't really don't have that here. Um, I mean, at midnight was like the closest thing we had. And that, well, I mean, like we, we had it, years They're Um, they're a little different, you know, of course, because, you know, even though they, I mean, very much started as British uh, shows and came over here, like when whose lines in any way came to America, it was still, um, Clive Anderson hosting it, so it was it was still like they had those original British airings. But you know that, and I remember VH1 used to show oh. Never the Buzzcocks. Um. Oh, I was gonna say like I love the '90s or I love the whatever was kind oh, of. Oh no, yeah. That I was, was I was talking about literally about have... Never mind the Buzzcocks. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that well, that's that that's the that's still some, the the UK sort of version of that. But yeah, like now that I think about it, like I love the the whatever decade. Those sorts of shows were kind of like for a little while the panel shows of, of that's it's, that's different though too because that's not like like American panel shows when they existed was like the What's My Line you know where you know Regis Philbin and all these other stars when they were young would have a special guest. There's the the best thing right now is you can still go online. People always post about the What's My Line episode where the the guest that for that episode was the last person alive who was at Lincoln's assassination. And so, like that was like they're trying to guess, like you know, how what's what is this man? What is this man's story? Is like he was alive when Lincoln? He was there at the theater as a kid when Lincoln was shot, uh, <laughs> so on and so forth. But you know, again, like when we, we were talking to to Alex Horn, you know, like to me, you know, all the British panel shows. Why it's so different to me than talking about, let's say, the I love the '90s kind of stuff is like you're you're in a group, you're in a room together, because the whole point is is that a lot of them, whether they're um, premise is very similar it doesn't make a difference because it's really just about the banter and trying to get each other to laugh not and i'm not like trying to say like make each other corpse or anything like that but it's just trying to kind of have this discussion until somebody says something really ridiculous where those where those vh where the Isle of 90 stuff is just a single person in a room being recorded and then they clip it together yeah well similar not exactly the same i would say i would i mean i don't know i I don't. I, I see where you're going. I just personally don't see the the pure connection. I would guess. I would say. Anyway, that's a tangent for another day. That's the tangent for another day. <laughs> but no, it's like it is. I never got to see a full show of his. Where like a lot of other comedians, I had the opportunity. This is the first time I got to see a full show of his. 
from start to finish. Um, so like seeing him kind of weave and tie those pieces together was something brand new for me at this point. You know, you learn, you get, you learn something new and you experience something new every day if you're lucky. But you know, that's the, again, everybody's going to have the chance. If you have, if, if you, the listener haven't been able to do the same as well, now's your chance. Get it done. We're warning you now that it's coming. So you're prepared. All right. Always Look, be prepared. Exactly. You got to know what's coming down the line. And we here at Overdue Rundles like to, to put that out there. So with that, let's get to talking a little bit more about Alita Battle Angel as well, though, because this was definitely uh, uh, your, your, your part, part of the list that it was seen from where, where, where he took it from. Yeah, I, I think I'm the one that liked the movie the most on this episode. I'm not going to lie. Oh, probably. And look, and I'm not, this, you know, just like we said, we always have certain um, differences in opinion, but it was, I, I, for those who haven't been, who won't see it, I, I do have to say, like, I felt bad because at one point I looked down after huge, after huge said something, and I started agreeing with him. I saw, I saw your face, and you were just like, I felt like we were crushing your soul. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, uh, man. It's it, yet yeah, you know what? I, you know, I, I genuine reactions are 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 going to happen, and you know, it's life, man. I mean. <laughs> Oh, I re- I reserve the right to call a mulligan on this if Rosa Salazar come on the show. I know you did. We've already we already discussed that, of course, uh, personally. That you you, you you the listeners not heard about it, but Mike Mike is 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 desperate to not desperate I should say, but uh, he he wants me to even if we all love the movie. This was like if we had if we had Rosa Salazar possibly coming on, it's like well we're just gonna do we're just gonna do another episode on it. Even then, like who I I'm I'm trying to think of what other movie she has. Like there might be some like if we ever got her on the show, there probably might be a couple of or even just let her like pick from the list and then just get some good discussion from her uh from the film. But I know that she's uh you know in all the interviews I've seen her do for the film and even afterwards, like we've had people uh I've seen people talk to her about Alita. She's very passionate about not only being a, proud of the film itself, but also mm. trying to get the sequel off the ground because there's, look, this movie came out at a point where the Fox and Disney merger was like just kicking in. In fact, I think this is actually the last 20th Century Fox movie to mm. be released in the theaters before it was 20th Century Studios. And as a result, you know, the movie, the movie did well, it did okay in box in the box office, but I don't think it was it wasn't Marvel profit margin, so it wasn't fast tracked. It was interesting when I think about it too, because I mean, you know, I, you know, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is going off of Wikipedia, which you know is not the most trustworthy yeah. of. But it seems like when when I saw like the numbers, like after everything was said and done, it had made a profit. But I guess the way they were talking about it was like it, they're they're not even sure if they could say it did make a profit. Now, I don't know if that's because of promotional costs that went into it after that aren't counted in but it's like even though it made and, I, and by say profit i think it you know it, it was a close to at least 100 million at the end of the day over what the budget was um they were considering it not profitable or something along those lines yeah like it's saying an estimated budget of 150 to 200 million and the box office being 405 okay um again it's really hard to sort of figure out what the Hollywood accounting would have been on that. But it, it was still kind of a rough time for this movie to come out where I I think if it was still 
the Fox regime, they might have pushed it more. That's and also, the thing. This is a movie that has James Cameron behind its back. Like James Cameron was developing this film since the 90s. Like Guillermo del Toro showed him the manga, Battle Angel Alita, and he became a fan of it. He developed this around the same time he was developing Avatar, and then Avatar won out as to the project he was going to go dedicate his time to. And then Robert Rodriguez offered, like, basically got James Cameron 600 pages of notes and offered to do, I think he either offered or Cameron told him, look, if you rewrite this, then you can direct it. And he basically rewrote it for free and the rest was history. Yeah, but the th here's the thing. I'll, I'll say two things because one, yes, I, you know, I don't remember much in the way of advertising of this film. It's almost like it like they didn't start advertising until like the day before it came out. It felt like something along those lines. I don't remember that well, but here's my thing. And look, you know, I grew up as everybody knows, as you know, Mike, you know, I grew up in the eighties and the nineties and yeah, you know, Aliens and Terminator 2 were big things. I, I like the Abyss and everything, all that stuff. But James Cameron as a filmmaker himself, and I'm not trying to put down visuals and all the special technical stuff that goes on in all these Avatar films and stuff like that. Um, like, I'm just so dumbfounded about how much people suck this man's dick. And the fact of the matter is, is that behind the scenes in Hollywood, yes, you know, the Titanic made so much goddamn money. The Avatar movies make so much goddamn money. But people in the studio systems don't want to work with James Cameron. They just don't, you know, because he makes all these demands. He wants all this money, and then they have to do all this shit to get it for him. They don't want to work with the man, which makes it more difficult for a lot of this stuff to come out. They clearly do want to work with him if he's making all these movies and making all this money. Uh, yeah, I and pushing his movies back to the point where it was over a decade before the sequel for Avatar came out, and it still made bank. And now go look at go look at the history. Again. Go look at the history of of all of all the oh, uh, the backstories oh, I... after Titanic came out. Uh, you know, oh. to 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 the him to make another thing after that, and it's go back like... and look at the stories about when he made Aliens. Yeah, or the abyss, the abyss especially. Well, the abyss, the, well, the abyss also. That's also that's a lot of that's on him, especially as as a person on a set, which is a little different as well. I mean, it's again, it factors into it, but um, and again, I like I like the abyss as a movie. Um, oh yeah, I'd say that's if there was. I think it's you could argue it may be his best movie actually. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying I think it is. I think if you want to make that argument, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily be battling with you. I think either I would probably argue either Terminator Two or or The Abyss, but I'd have to really go watch The Abyss again. But I do I do remember really liking it. That might out of out of all of his movies, that might be the overdue rental. Actually, it's possible. Um, it's weird thinking about it because there's only so, so much. Long. I mean, he's yeah. It's like it's weird because he's made plenty of movies, but really, it's 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 a it's a small handful in the pantheon of 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 the years that could pass for it. Oh yeah, and then it was just like from what we like Titanic was the beginning of the streak because then he goes and makes Avatar, and then he makes Avatar: Way of Water, and uh, I'm more technically impressed with James Cameron now as a filmmaker versus story wise. Sure. But then again, that's part of why I'm kind of glad Alita went to Robert Rodriguez because he this is definitely his sort of jam. Like you go and look at his other movies and this visually and, and thematically is definitely his thing. Robert Rodriguez is also another filmmaker that I never really fully understood people's obsession with. And again, I remember when El Mariachi came out 
and like get watching and go like, oh my God, this is so cool. They're doing all this stuff. He did it on a thousand dollars and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But everything he's done since, I just don't, I just don't care. I really don't. And I'm not trying to be mean or rude or, 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 or just like, you know, like a stick in the mud at this point, but it's like nothing he has done has made me say like, oh man, yeah, I need, I need to rewatch that. I need to tell people about that. And I get it. Yes. Visually, something's going to be striking and, you know, but that's a that's about as far as I'll go. Yeah, well, that's another thing I'll disagree with you on because I, know. I would definitely tell people to go watch From Dusk Till Dawn. I had such a great experience of my wife watching that movie, not knowing what it was about. She See, didn't I, know. So I was so glad. It's like, I'm just gonna let her watch this and I'm gonna watch her. I'd prefer I prefer the first half of From Dusk. I prefer the non-vampire version of From Dusk Till Dawn personally. Uh, part of it that is at least uh, compared to it, but I again, but just, no, again, I again, I saw it when it came out, and I'm just like, all right, yeah, that all that stuff happened. They did stuff that you can be like, oh, it's cool or like that, but it felt like, you know, and I know, I know it's Tarantino as well with the writing and stuff like that, but it felt like a 12 year old's wet dream more than a a, a well put together movie. <laughs> It's like, I want to have a guy with a gun in his crotch shooting vampires. <laughs> you know, sorry. I'm not trying to, I, I, I am being such a schmuck right now. This I, I know episode it. has just gone off the rails, <laughs> man. <laughs> I just, that's the way I see it. It's like, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino wants to suck on Salma Hayek's feet and uh, people want to do fun. The, the best thing about that movie was Harvey Keitel uh and his family part of it, I think, um, compared to anything else in the movie. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to shut up now. I'm like, I'm everybody's going to hate us now or they're going to hate me now. <laughs> be like, I'm not listening to this. It's okay. Should I cut, should I cut all this out of the episode? No. Why, why would you cut it? If you cut, cut it, cut, we're cut. not going to have a show. Cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> I still, I still have to start listening to that, that show. And now they're coming back to Philly. And New York. They're going to be in New York. Oh, nice. Yeah. But that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. We won't, we won't go into the sunny guys to talk about Alita battle angel. (laughs) Season 16 has started. We're two episodes, two episodes on the first day. Tomorrow's the next episode. Well, or today when you listen to this possibly, uh, or yesterday or weeks, months, uh, years, uh, past. Depending on when you listen to this. I am such a madman. Anyway, everybody, now is your chance to go. If you haven't seen it, go wa- go watch Elite Battle Angel. If you've been convinced at all by this episode, yeah. to go watch oh, Elite no. Battle Angel. No, no, you you're convinced now to go. If you haven't seen it, watch it and then tell us which one, which of us you agree with. Is it is are, are you are you with me? Are you with Mike? Or are you kind of with Huge, where you're like in the middle, where you were so entertained that a lot of the things that maybe did bother you. We're not that big of a deal, but you're going to talk about them anyway. And then, of course, you know, when June you 20th watch hits. got special. Yeah, June 20th hits. Go to the 800-pound gorilla platform. Be able to stream uh, the car park. And then if you can't, if you're missing it, and then you forget, you check back later. Starting July 20th, YouTube and a lot of other streaming platforms will have it for you to watch as well. I mean, but, the man oh. was nice enough to come on our show. So it's the very least you could do. No, even if he wasn't on our show, go watch it anyway, man. Go enjoy yourself. Yeah, obviously, obviously. It's just, you know, it was very nice to have Hugh on this show. It was fun to talk with him. And 
British comedians are seeming that's a nice niche that we're falling into. I'm not gonna lie. because I because I I search them out because I love them. <laughs> well, I mean, I love them too. Oh no! I, again, yeah, I don't mean to I don't mean to imply you don't or or, or anything <laughs> like that, but it's become it's become my mission now. Um, but of course, but Mike, when people need to come and tell us who they agreed with, how are they how are they going to do that? How do they find us to do that? Well, we're going to just shift things up a little differently because if you do want to email us and tell us what you thought about Alita Battle Angel, you can email us along with any other recommendations, love letters, or what have you to overdurentals at gmail.com. But, you know, we do promote this show on social media as much as we can. And uh, I need to get back on Twitter and do more promoting because I have fallen off on that. But... If you want to look for our show on social media, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show, on Twitter at Rentals Overdue, or at Facebook at Overdue Rentals. And should you want to find more episodes of this show, and why wouldn't you? Because you came and listened to an episode of about Alita Battle Angel. Wait till you hear about the stuff that we've got to say about uh, any other, so many other movies. Like we're in like the 70 episode range. Uh, Matt. This is going to be 79. This is the thing is episode 79 you're listening to right now. Ah, episode 79. So Matt, pop quiz, uh, random movie we've done. Random movie we've done? Well, of course, my favorite movie of all time, The Singing Detective. The the six hour BBC miniseries, of course, not the shitty 2003 remake. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Mel Gibson. Forget about that existing. That's the one, and it's that's an early one. But because oh, it's my yeah, favorite movie of all time, not... everybody should go listen about it. And that is with the director himself, John Emile, which we need yes. to get back on this show, especially because we want to cover Copycat. We want to co- cover The Core, which is 20 years this year. Mm. Uh, this is all the stuff that you will find in our back catalog. And that back catalog is wherever you ethically source your podcasts on Apple, Anchor, podcasts on spotify stitcher most major platforms you'll find us there and you will find the exploits of ourselves and our guests and pop Uh, quiz michael what's a random episode movie you want to talk about that i want to talk about or that we've done that no that we've done a random one we've done we've done um hmm. having alec on for run lola run was that was a blast of an episode you can find the actual episodes wherever you ethically source your podcasts. But while you are looking for the episodes and trying to prove me wrong and, you know, flood social media saying that Mike's wrong, uh, you wouldn't, first of all, you wouldn't be the first. Second of all, you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast through those platforms. So not only do we get precious feedback from you if you don't want to go the email route, uh, you can help keep the rental counter open by boosting our numbers and showing those charts who's boss. And if you're listening to this in the future, there's probably more that are after this. So just keep listening until you hit the end. We'll tell you when you've gotten to the end and then you can go back and enjoy it all over again. You've reached the end of this episode. Yes. We're delirious, people. It's a delirious night. We're delirious. So please turn over this episode to listen to the rest of it. And as we say at the end of every episode, bye-bye.